Hey, uh, chances are when you came in, you received one of these hyper, unbelievably valuable magnifying glasses. Did everybody get one? Uh, we absolutely broke the bank with these plastic things. Um, here's why we gave them to you. I'm hoping that you'll take them, stick them somewhere that you're going to see over and over again over the next couple of weeks, just to remind you about the conversations that we're having uh, in this uh, dating series. And one of the fundamental principles that we've been uh, just trying to bring home and help you process as we've been talking together is simply this. Whatever problems you have in your dating relationship, whatever bumps in the road, whatever struggles you're having right now, whatever places you're going, man, we just don't see eye to eye, we don't relate there. Man, when we do that, that gets uh, really ugly. Whatever that looks like in your dating, when you get married, it only gets magnified. It only gets that much bigger. Can I get an amen from all the married people? There you go. So, I just as a reminder, there says, look, look, if, if it's a struggle right now while you're dating, wait till you marry them. So uh, here's what I would encourage. If you're single in the room, I would drill a hole uh, in this. I would stick it on my key ring uh, throughout my entire uh, dating career. When I walk down the aisle and I marry that other person, I would hand this to them and say, I warned you, okay? So just put it somewhere, help, help remember. Now, the other thing that we've uh, also uh, given you, uh, especially if you are here last week, we gave you one of these cards that on the back says, my five non-negotiables. And we simply asked you to begin to start thinking about and saying, what are my five deal breakers? What are, what are the things that I say, look, in the person that I'm looking for, uh, these are the things I have to have to have to have. Matter of fact, if they didn't have these things, I wouldn't even date them in the first place. They are deal breakers. And uh, we suggested that you write them in pencil uh, because uh, I think it's likely that as you and I have this conversation that they're going to change. Now, here's the really, really cool part about it, that as you and I continue this, we're going to discover that God's got two. That there's two things that God's going to say, look, look, these, these have got to be deal breakers in your uh, relationship. But he leaves the other three for you and me. So you and I get to decide what that is. It's okay. Whatever that is for you, you get to, you have to have a great sense of humor. It's okay. You get to decide the other three. It'll be interesting to see where you and I land at the end of the conversation. Okay? So here's what we've been doing. We've been saying, look, uh, this, this thing of dating, this, this thing of finding the right other person can be crazy complicated. I mean, this, this can be really, really hard, especially in today's culture with the internet and everything that's going on and, and just how mobile people, this, this can be incredibly, incredibly complicated to find the one in the midst of today. And we've been asking this question, what if, what if it doesn't have to be that complicated? What if you and I could simply unpack some of that and take some of the stuff that maybe is misinformation, maybe some of the things that our friends have always dated that way, or maybe some things that our culture tells us to do, or maybe what we've seen on TV and just go, look, 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 look. That stuff is not helpful. That stuff does not get us. Matter of fact, it just muddies, it just makes it harder to find the right person. And we say, what, what, if, what if this was kind of like a bar graph of how complicated it is in today's culture to find the right person. I mean, we, we'd be in over our heads. But what if we could take some of the misinformation? What if we could take some of the things that don't get us where we need to go and remove them and simply get down to what God says 
about finding the right person. And at the end of that, I mean, don't get me wrong, it'd still be hard. I mean, this would still be a lot of work, but it just wouldn't be nearly as complicated as it is if you're dealing with all the misinformation about relationships and dating. And so we just tried to be really, really honest and look at those things that don't help but actually hurt as we're going. And if you were here last week, one of the things we talked about was, uh, hey, don't date backyard dogs. And what we said about that is simply this, that in our culture, what you and I are told is, hey, when you're dating, man, just go do whatever you're going to do. I mean, have as much fun as you can possibly have because somewhere you're going to settle down and the old ball and chain's going to go around your foot. And, you know, then it's done. So right now, while you're dating, it's spring break. So just use whoever you're going to use. Do whatever you're going to do. Have whatever fun. Party however you're going to party. Look, I mean, basically, just live as selfishly as you want to live throughout your dating career. And then when you find the right person, here's what you're going to do. She's going to put on a white dress. You're going to put on a tuxedo. And magically, magically, the next day, you're going to stop being selfish. So all those things that you've been doing throughout your entire dating career, all of that, this is all about me and for me. When you get up and put on that white, it all changes. And the next day, you'll be fully equipped to be married. And we said, guys, it doesn't work that way. You behave through your dating career like a backyard dog, and backyard dogs poo where they want to poo, and they pee where they want to pee. And you bring that backyard dog into your marriage, you'll simply have a backyard dog in the house. And what if, what if, what if? We just asked this question. What if you and I decided not to date like our friends are dating and not do what our culture is doing and simply did this? made a decision that as I date, I'm going to treat the person that I'm dating the way I anticipate one day treating the person I'm going to marry. And I'm going to insist that they treat me like an indoor dog while we're dating. How much complication would that take out of the relationship? Today we're going to go after a totally different thought, and we're going to simply say, ask this, is there one right person for each of us? Is there, is there like a Mr. Right, a Miss Right? And, and, and if there is, how do you find them? How do you figure out who they are? And here's what we're going to suggest. That the idea of a Mr. Right or a Miss Right is actually a myth. And that if you and I date looking for, pursuing, chasing that one right person who's somehow going to complete us, fulfill us, that actually we will probably end up marrying Mr. Wrong. That actually chasing after Mr. Right or Miss Right is exactly the worst way to go about dating. All right, l- let me see if we can help with that just a little bit. Okay, so let's, let's just unpack for a second the myth uh, that there is a Mr. Right or a Miss Right. And here's, I want to say, as we kind of unpack this together, I may say things that are kind of gender-specific. I may say, hey, Mr. Right. Or, you get that this cuts both ways. You get that it applies to the guys as much as it applies to the gals. It's a two-sided sword. Okay? So here we go. All right. The, the myth of looking uh, for uh, Mr. Right. Here's the first problem. If you spend your life looking for Mr. Right, he's already taken and you've got no hope. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can help with that. Uh, just in a positive way, but let me see if I can help with that. Okay. 
Okay, I went to seminary, not art school, okay? All right, so here's the deal. Uh, let's, let's say this is you, okay? And uh, the problem is, the problem is some guy you don't even know, you, you never even met him, but he's messed up. I mean, he's totally messed up. And the problem is he doesn't recognize the right girl for him. So instead of marrying her, he marries her. Now, the problem is this guy is totally out of luck because there's no way for him to marry the right person because his right person is already gone and married to the wrong person. And so now he marries your right person, which means you're done. You can't possibly win. And so you end up, you end up marrying her. And then think about this, all the children that you have should have never been born <laughs> because you're married to the wrong person. So all your children are totally doomed. It's a myth. It's a myth. There is no one right person for you. Here, here's something else that goes along uh, with the myth, and, and it's simply this. We're, I'm, I'm looking for the person who completes me. See, here, here's the deal. That right person, that person I'm going to get, see, I, I, here's what I know. I know I'm not totally cooked. I know, I know that I've got some stuff in my life that I still need to work on, and some places are a little bit deficit, but what I need to do, and here's how this works, I'm going to find somebody who's good at the things that I'm bad at. And then, if I, can, if I can be good at the things they're bad at, then the two of us get together and we make a whole. Okay? So, it's kind of this theory. I know that I'm kind of halfway there. I'm kind of half where I need to be. And so, I'm looking for the other person who is my matching other half. So, here's the deal. I'm, I'm really good at patience. Okay? But I'm horrible at money. So what I need to do is I need to find somebody who maybe uh, isn't so good at pay. Maybe they got an anger problem, but it's okay because I'll always be able to pull them off the cliff because I'm so patient. So, so their problem is anger. But here's the deal. They are absolutely a tightwad. So they, man, they are really good at money. So we'll balance each other out. Are you kidding me? I, I, I mean, come on, guys. This is right. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. Uh, she's going to go out and spend way, 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 way too much on sale. You think he's going to respond in anger? And I guarantee you guys, two halves do not make a whole, they make a mess. Matter of fact, here's the mistake you make. See, we think this is addition. Relationships are not addition. They're multiplication. Who's good at math in here? When you multiply a fraction with another fraction, what do you get? A smaller fraction. And I'm just going to tell you, you go date somebody who's half of what they need to be because you're half of what you need to be, and you'll end up with a quarter of a relationship.
This is not about going out and finding the person who's good at what you're bad at and being bad at what you're good at. That's not what this is. You are not looking for someone to complete you. And guys, you ready for this? Ready for this? This whole idea of going out and finding the one is exactly the opposite of what gets us where we want to get. Here's what you need to know. It's not about finding the one. It's about finding a type. It's about finding someone who fits the bill. Matter of fact, that's exactly why we've given you these cards, because we're saying, what type of person is it that you need in your life? And what if you allow God to tell you the first two requirements, the things that identify the right type of person to have in your life? And if you simply follow that, then when the right type of person, you go, oh my goodness, there they are. Matter of fact, let me see if this helps. Imagine that you've got a child and, uh, and they get to driving age. And so you make a deal with them and you say, look, here's the deal. Uh, whatever you can save this summer working, I'll match it. And so when you go to buy a car, you'll have twice as much to buy a car. But here's my requirement as you go to do that. If I match it, if I help you buy a better car, there's two things. That car has got to be economical, it's got to get decent gas mileage, and it's got to be dependable. That's the deal. That's what you got to do if we're going to do this together. And they go, sure, we'll do it. So sure enough, they work the summer, you match the money. Now they're out looking for a car, they give you a phone call. And they say, hey, I think I found the car. And your first question is, is it economical? Well, yeah. Uh, Is it a dependable model? Yeah, absolutely dependable model. Okay. Do what you're going to do. And they go, whoa, 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 it's red. And you go, well, I don't care if it's red. Go, no, 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 no. You always told me that red in Arizona is a bad idea. And you go, no, I mean, red in Arizona is not a great idea because you're either going to be polishing that car every six months or you're going to be driving around in something that looks like pukey pink. But, uh, you know, whatever it is, but here's the deal. It's okay. If you want red, red's okay because... All, all I'm required, all I'm saying you have to do is get the right type of car, which means that it's economical, means that it's dependable. But if you want red, I mean, if that's what you decide and you really want red, then you can get red. I don't care. You realize God does exactly the same thing. And God says, look, here's going to be the requirements I'm going to ask you to do. And then after that, you get to write in whatever requirements you want to write in. And if you want to say, hey, look, they've just got to be like drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, they, when they walk in the room, it's got to take my breath away. <gasps> And God goes, all right, I mean, if that's what you want your requirement to be, that's okay. You can make that your requirement. As long as you understand that in the end, gravity wins. (laughs) I I wish my chest were still in the same place. (laughs) So as long as you're okay with that, as long as you understand, uh, that's all right. It's all right. Because here's the deal. Ready? God is going to begin to say to us, no, 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 no. You and I have got to figure out the type of person that God wants to bring in our life for us to marry. It's not the one, it's the type, okay? But here's the deal, here's, here, here's what you gotta get today, and if you don't catch in the rest, that if you and I keep dating the way that our friends date, if we keep doing what they do in the movies, you and I are not, not only gonna probably, make, we're gonna make this so much harder than it has to be, and in all likelihood, are you ready for this? In all likelihood, you and I end up with the wrong person by looking for the one person. Okay, let, let, let me see if I can help you with that. Here's what's going to happen. You're, you're here and you're going, okay, you know, I am so ready to date. And when you make that decision, guess what you'll do next? 
you'll start looking. And you know what my guess is? There'll be no one. So you'll be going, I, I'm a God, whoa, 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 whoa. I am so ready for you to bring me the one, and there is no one. If you're not careful, in that moment, you'll start feeling sorry for yourself. You'll start getting really, really lonely. You might even get angry. And you go, God, look, I mean, I don't get, I mean, I am so ready to be in a relationship. I'm so ready to find the one, and you're not bringing anyone. And you know what you'll do? You'll date anyone. See, you'll, you'll suddenly start considering that guy. Mr. Right Now, because he's there. I mean, he's there, and, and here's the deal. Let's just be honest. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't fit the list. I mean, maybe he's probably got like three of them, or maybe, 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 maybe he's even got four of them, but no one else is asking, and no one else is around, and so you ready? And so you'll settle for Mr. Right Now. Here's the problem. When you start dating Mr. Right Now, you, you'll end up pretending. It's because here's the deal. I mean, you're fully committed to following God, and Jesus is a big deal in your life, but come on. Not with, not with Mr. Right Now. And, and so here's what you'll do. You'll just go, look, I, every time I bring up Jesus and every time I talk about how great he is, I mean, it just, it just kind of bugs him and it bothers him. And so, you know, just to save the peace, I mean, just to get a, I got, I got to tone it down. And, and you'll, you'll have to pretend that Jesus doesn't mean as much to you as he really does in, in order to date Mr. Right Now. Or, or vice versa. He catches on really, really quick, and he super likes you, and he knows. He knows Jesus is a big deal in your life, and so you know what he's going to do? He's going to pretend that Jesus is a big He's going to come to church every single Sunday with you because he knows that's what gets you excited. He knows that's what you enjoy. Uh, he, he's going to raise his hand every time a question is asked. Jesus, Jesus. Je I mean, that's the only question answer you need to know in church, right? Jesus. And he's going to pretend that he's someone that he isn't. Here's the problem. You end up married to Mr. Right Now. And all of a sudden you go, okay, dude, time for you to step up. Time for you to be the spiritual leader of our home. Because, man, I, I mean, I've been waiting. Now I'm ready to go. And he's going to go, what? The whole time we dated, you pretended that Jesus wasn't that important to you. It wasn't that big deal. You deceived me. This is not the girl I married because you were pretending. She, she's going to turn to him and say, all right, let's, it's, it's it. Let's go, man. We're going to build this Christian home together. He's going to go, I'm so done. I, I don't even know if I'm going back. I, I already won. I mean, I already got you to marry me. I don't, think I, I don't think I'm going back to church. I don't like church. And she's going to say, you tricked me into marrying you. See, one of the best ways to make sure you don't get the one is keep chasing for the one. 
because you'll settle for Mr. Right now. Second thing, you'll, you'll become the person you date. See, there, there's, there's no way to date him and keep moving forward in your Christian life. There's no way to date her and keep moving forward in your Christian life the way that you know you are. It's because you're, you're always having to drag them along. And here's the deal. You become the person you're dating. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. If you're not really familiar, go right to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms, and then just to the right, you're going to find this book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27, it's verse 17, here's what it says, you ready? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Written by the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth. And you get that it works in reverse. And you date somebody who isn't there where you are with Jesus and who you're constantly having to drag to try to get him to catch up. And you know what you could change that verse to? As a rock dulls the sword, so will Mr. Right Now. You and I fall in love with the people we date. You ever notice that? How many married people would confirm that for me? You fall in love with the people you date. And you end up dating Mr. Right Now, Miss Right Now. There's, there's a really good chance you'll fall in love with them because you're dating them. And you begin to overlook their problems. You begin to make up their deficiencies. I had an intern... I was off in California, and our youth group was growing, and I called back and I said, hey, look, uh, we got an internship position opened up for you. Uh, would you want to come? And so he came, but the problem was he left everything he knew in Arizona. And, and so suddenly he's now in Southern California. Man, he is lonely out of his head. So guess what he did? He started looking for someone to fill in what he was missing. And the one wasn't there. And so he settled for the one right now. And he started dating her. And, 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 it, and it felt so good because here's the deal. He was no longer lonely. She was feeling the very thing in his heart that was missing. Anybody want to guess what he said after six months of dating the one right now? I'm in love. And despite the fact that every single friend, every single family member said to him, look, 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 dude, you could not have picked a girl who was more wrong than you. I mean, she literally is a girl of chaos. But I'm in love. See, the problem is you and I can fall in love with Mr. Right Now, with Miss Right Now. Worse than this, and this, this ought to just terrify you out of your head. What happens if you and I are settling and dating whoever was available, and then this happens? He comes in the room. 
I mean, the guy. I mean, the guy. I mean, the guy you've been hoping for, the guy you've been praying for, the guy you've been going, man, Jesus, please, comes in the room. Because here's the deal. If you're dating Mr. Right now, guess what he decides? You're unavailable. You're already taken. And immediately his eyes begin to look for someone else. Let me, let, me, let me just ask you a question. What if, what if I asked you to never again date Miss Right Now or Mr. Right Now? I mean, what, what, if, what if I said, what if, what if I just said, here's how it's going to work. You can choose one of two paths. You can, have, you can spend the next two years dating like crazy. You, you can date 10, 15 Mr. Right Nows. But when he walks in the room, he won't see you, and you won't get him. Or, or, the next two years, you won't have any dates. Because you, you just go, look, no, 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 no. If you don't, if you don't make the non-negotiable, no. And for the two years, you won't date anybody. But when he walks in the room, he sees you. Which would you pick? And what you've got to get in this moment is he, she, is a huge liability to him or her ever seeing you. Last one. The right one, when they see you dating the one right now, they will decide that you are like them. Don't we, guys? I mean, if, you, if you've got a gal and you know that she, he's, she's dating the crumb and you know what he's after and you know what he wants in a relationship and you know what motivates him and then they've been dating for six months, what do you immediately assume she must be doing? Don't you? Girls. You, you, know, you know she's skanky. Oh, come on. You were thinking anyways. Come on. You know, you know what type of girl she is. And he's been dating her for six months. How many guesses do you want? And you see him with her. You've already made up your mind about who he is and what he wants. And here's the problem. He won't recognize you if you're dating him. Years ago, I, uh, I asked Lisa out. And uh, we went out on a, on a couple dates, and we got to the uh, second date, which, by the way, on the day that Lisa and I went on our second date, she'd already dated two other guys that day. I was the third one. And as we were there, we were talking a little bit, I, you know, I said, you know, I, I know you're dating this guy, and I know you're dating this guy, you know, tell me a little bit about these guys, and they were exactly what I thought they were. Turned out at the time, Lisa was bartending, and I, I knew the culture of what goes on in those types of atmospheres, and I, I'm studying from, in Bible college, and anybody want to guess what my conclusion was? She's not the one. 
Matter of fact, I actually ended up moving back to Phoenix two weeks later. I didn't even bother calling Lisa. I just, she's so far, so far from being the one. See, you just got to get. He'll decide. She'll decide that you are like the one that you're dating. It's possible right now that um, there are some married people in this room and you're going, oh my, oh my, oh my. I, I, wish, I wish when I had been dating somebody had told me this because I'm pretty sure I married a backyard dog. I'm pretty sure I married Mr. Right now. And you're going, I, I, I think maybe I married the wrong person. And here's what you just need to hear me say. If you walked down an aisle and you said to them, I am promising to spend my life with you, and they walked down an aisle and they stood in front of the pastor in front of your friends and said, I am promising to spend my life with you and make this work, they are the right person. The moment you made that covenant promise with each other, they became the right person for you because of the promises you made. So stop thinking about the secretary. She's not the right person. Your wife is. Your husband is. And it's true. It's true. You may have married a backyard dog, and you may have married Mr. or Miss right now. All that simply means is this. You got a lot of work ahead. You're going to have to invest more, work harder, spend more time in order to get this marriage to look like your marriage is supposed to look. So here's the answer. Get to work. Start doing whatever you have to do to build this thing up and take it where it needs to go. And you just need to know that in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some offerings. We're going to have some things to say, look, here's the deal. If our marriage isn't where our marriage ought to be, if we're struggling on things that maybe we should have fixed before we ever get said, I'd, it's okay because we're going to come alongside and we're going to help. But if you're single in this room, this ought to be a wake-up call. This ought to be one of those oh-my-goodness moments within your life. That, that this, this is not about finding the one because I'll probably end up with the wrong one. I know of a gal. She graduated high school. She'd spent all of her younger years in church, got to college, and started doing the things you do when you're in college. I mean, you know what you do. And she started hanging with the kids you probably shouldn't be hanging with and partying in the way she shouldn't party. And, I mean, because that's what you do when you're in college, right? And so she ended up dating some of the guys that were there, and they just absolutely messed with her heart. And after a couple of years of that, she got to a point. She said, you know what? I, I just think I'm done with this. I'm, I'm just done being a backyard dog. And, and I, I just need to straighten up, and I need to find the right type of guy. And lo and behold, it wasn't a week or two later, and all of a sudden, she's at a gathering with a bunch of her friends just hanging out, and the guy walks in. I mean, the guy. I mean, amazing. He is the entire package. He, he loves Jesus. He's totally committed to following God. He's got this amazing personality, and he is good looking. I mean, he's the package. And so she ends up that weekend back home, and she's in the kitchen with her mom, and, and as they're doing this, she says, Mom, you'll never believe, I met this amazing guy. 
I mean, he is just so in love with Jesus. He's so sold out to God. He, and he's got this great, I mean, I love, there was just this great connection when we were there. And, and he's just so great looking. I just get butterflies to be around him. I am praying that that guy calls me. Here's what her mother said. Oh, honey, that guy is not looking for you. And instead of getting defensive and arguing with her mom, instead she walked into the other room and got down on her knees and wept because she knew her mom was right. That guy wasn't looking for a girl like her. And what you and I are going to discover is that instead of looking for the one, you and I need to become the one. We need to become the person that the one we're hoping for is looking for. That you and I would be so cooked, so ready, have already done all that God is doing in our lives that when that person walks in the room, they immediately recognize us that you and I, instead of looking for the one, need to become the one that the one we're hoping for is looking for. Which means, which means that the most powerful thing that you could do as a single person today is simply say, God, look, here's the deal. I don't see the person. I don't see them anywhere near. But here's the deal. I need to be sure that I'm the one that they're looking for when you do bring them to the room. So God, whatever you need to do to me, whatever you need to grow up in my life, whatever you need to change about me, do it. Because I want to be sure that when they walk in the room, the only person they see is me. Because I'm ready to be the one for the one. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. If you're not more familiar, you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left. It's Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what I want you to consider doing. In the seat back right in front of you, there should be a pencil there. I'd, I'd say just grab the pencil. We're going to write in our Bibles. It's okay. Uh, and here's what I want you to watch for. I want you to watch for in this passage all the words that talk about growing up and becoming mature. And when we get to those words, I want you to circle them. Okay, so here it is. It's Ephesians chapter 4. Starting in verse 12, here's what it says. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be, what's the next word? Built up, circle it. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, next word, mature, circle it. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Get ready. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, next word, grow up, circle it, into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, next word, grows. And, next word, builds itself up, circle it, in love as each part does its work. How important is growing up to God? And you just got to get that, that the biggest mistake that you and I can do is looking for the one instead of becoming the one. 
And that the most powerful thing that you and I could do as a single person right now is say, God, look, would you make me the one? Would you grow me up, build me up, take me wherever you got to take me, teach me whatever you got to teach me, that when the one comes in the room, they'll know I'm the one. Because I'm ready for the one. And here's what you got to know. One of the most powerful things about becoming the one is that it will help you recognize the one. Because here's the deal, becoming the one takes a ton of work. I mean, I, if you put your life in this and you say, okay, God, here's the deal, I'm not going to date until you make me the one, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving you free reign to, to do whatever you need to do in my life, and, and you go through that work, and you go through that sacrifice, and you bow the knee in obedience, that is such a tough road to go that, you know what, when you've done it, you will immediately recognize other people who've done it. When they come in the room, you'll go, oh, my goodness. There's another person who has paid the price, and you'll recognize them almost instantaneously. Another benefit, when you become the one, you become incredibly attractive to the one. When, when, when you begin to allow God to do whatever he needs to do in you and to take you where he needs to take you and to form you the way, you just need to know that you will immediately become incredibly attractive to the one. I told you about Lisa and me, and <clears throat> about a year later, my friend called me up from Texas, and he said, hey, Lynn, I'm, I'm getting married, and I, I want you to come out and be the best man, and I said, well, no, dude, I'd, surely I would do that, and he said, matter of fact, Lisa's going to be uh, the maid of honor, and uh, he said, I think you ought to ask her out. I said, no, been there, done that. He said, no, 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 Lynn, you don't get it. Right after you left, a youth pastor went to Lisa and asked her to write her five non-negotiables on a card. And suddenly the girl who was dating all sorts of guys hasn't hardly had a date since. Not because she wasn't asked. I mean, she was asked by tons of guys. They didn't meet the non-negotiables. Matter of fact, Lynn, in the entire time since you've been gone, she's dated one guy just a little bit. But here's the cool part. God has been doing this amazing work in her life. I mean, she has totally turned her life around. She stopped dating guys who didn't meet the requirements. She stopped working. Where she, she started working in the youth group and working with kids. Her life is so different. I get off the plane, and here comes Lisa walking. And she was, whew. She met requirement number three. And... Uh, <laughs> And the crazy part was, uh, my friends had not planned anything for their wedding. So, for the next four days, Lisa and I put their entire wedding together. So, we were together in the morning, we were together at noon, we were together in the afternoon, we were together all evening, four days in a row. And I suddenly realized, this woman has become the one. And I, I'm, I'm not setting this out there as dating standard. I'm not saying anybody should ever try what I tried, but can I just tell you that four days later I asked her to marry me. Because when you become the one, you recognize the one, and the one gets really, really attractive. What if, what if you and I stopped looking for the one and just worked on becoming the one? And let me ask you a different question. What if, what if God knows you're not cooked yet? 
What, what, if, what if he says, look, look, here's the deal. I am so ready to bring the one into the room, but the problem is if I brought the one in the room right now, all he'd see is him. Then isn't one of the most powerful things you could do is that if you're dating Mr. Right Now or Miss Right Now, get her out of the room. Get him out of the room. And, and what, if, what, if, what if God in his absolute knowledge and love for you said, look, here's the deal. You're about six months from being where I need you to be. And if I brought him in right now, if I brought her into your life right now, they totally would not recognize you. But if you'll let me do what I need to do with you in six months, I can bring in, wow. Wouldn't you give God the next six months? Wouldn't the kindest and most gracious thing that God could do is keep them out of your life until your life was ready? What if it's the other? What if you're ready? What if you could sit here today and you go, Lynn, look, I'm cooked. I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm cooked. <laughs> and I'm so ready. I mean, I can't even tell you how. But what if the one, what if the person isn't ready? What if they're six months away? And what if God were to bring them in the room right now and you wouldn't recognize them because God still has something to do in them before you'll recognize them? Wouldn't the most gracious thing that God could do would be to not bring them in the room till they were ready? And all of a sudden, you and I realize the worst thing you and I can do is keep chasing after the one instead of becoming the one. Let's bow our heads. Hey, I'm just going to ask you real honestly with your heads bowed. Are you the one? Are you the one that the person you're hoping for is looking for? If God brought them in the room today, would they even recognize you? And what if, what if today some of us were just to say, look, uh, here's the deal. I'm dating Mr. Right Now. I'm dating Miss Right Now, and I get it. I get, I get it that if the right one even came in the room, they probably wouldn't see me because I'm with them. And some of us need to consider leaving this place today and just having a phone call or a cup of coffee and saying, look, I, I just got to be honest. I probably shouldn't have even begun this relationship because I know, I know deep in my heart you're not the one. You're just right now. And, and I need to be ready when the one comes. Some of us today just need to be really, really honest and go, you know what? I'm not the one. I, God's got a whole bunch of work he still needs to do in my life. I was just hoping to find somebody who completed me. I'm beginning to realize only God completes me. And I'm just going to take a sabbatical from dating. I'm just going to swear off dating, maybe for six months, to say, God, do whatever you got to do with me. Work whatever you got to work in me so that I could be the one, that the one I'm hoping for is looking for. It'd take a lot of the complication out of this, wouldn't it? Dear Lord Jesus, we simply come to you. And God, we're, we'll just be honest. We have, we've been dating just like our friends. We've been dating just like the TV set. And it didn't work for them, and it's not going to work for us. 
We, we've been so worried about finding the one that we haven't been becoming the one. And God, some of us in this room need to just bow the knee today and give you permission to say, God, whatever you need to do in us, whatever you need to form in us, whatever you need to teach to us, go ahead. Make us the one. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.